Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Man. Well, welcome welcome to Unstoppable. I have lost count of how many weeks we are in this series. We decided uh, we were going to do eight weeks, and now we are nine, ten weeks in of Unstoppable, and we're going to continue. Our plan is through the end of April. So if you are joining us for the first time today, hey, you're right smack dab in the middle of what we're talking about. And the, the topic that we are talking about is how that God, because of his unstoppable power, has created and designed us with unstoppable power. And there's oftentimes internal limitations that we put on ourselves that cause us to be stopped. So the old adage is this, that... When what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? One would uh, theorize that that would cause a combustion, an explosion, because something's unstoppable and something's unmovable. And what we've been working on over the last 10 weeks is the fact that many times we have created imaginary, immovable things in our lives. Things that we believe are immovable. Things that we have heard are immovable. Things that we have perceived to be immovable. Things like maybe a health diagnosis that you've been given. Things maybe your counselor told you that because of your childhood trauma and past, that's the reason why your marriage will never succeed. Maybe it's an immovable thing about yourself, an inadequacy or an inability to do or become. And inside of us, we believe that there are some things that are immovable. And I want to help and bust a myth today that anything, anything that you believe is immovable actually has the ability to move when the power of God is evident and present because He is unstoppable. And that's what we've been working on. So that sounds like a great thing. We've been working through the book of Acts, which was the, the, the first book written about the church. However, Jesus had already talked about it previously in the Gospels where he looks at the apostle Peter and he says, you're, you're no longer Peter. You're, you're no longer Simon. You're Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not, cannot, will never be able to stop it. And I'm thankful I'm a part of that church today. Today is Palm Sunday which is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem before his crucifixion. So I want to take a little pause this Sunday and next Sunday on the book of Acts and move into this story leading up into Easter. And of course, next Sunday, do everything you can. It is Easter Sunday at 9 and 11 around here. Be here for an unstoppable Jesus service. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Today I want to just talk about unstoppable pursuit unstoppable pursuit. John chapter 12 is where I'll take our reading from this morning. John 12, and uh, we're going to read a few verses here. It's going to be on the screen behind me. And Jesus has had a situation, a situation that involved his friends, uh, a man by the name of Lazarus, two sisters by the name of Mary and Martha. Jesus has had many experiences with them in their home, and Lazarus gets sick to the point of death. And Jesus hears about it. We're going to talk about it here this morning. He hears about it and he doesn't go. Like that's thank thanks Jesus. 
Have you ever, have you ever been in that moment where you pray and then the bad thing actually happens and you're like, where were you? Yeah. I, can I say me too? Like that's, that I, I have many times where I've prayed and the thing happens and this is what happens. Lazarus dies. His friend dies and Jesus says, okay, now we can go. Come on. Jesus, that's not fair. It's not funny. Don't joke around like that. And Jesus goes, finds Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha have a problem. Like if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says things like, well, I had to not come because you wouldn't believe. What? I know if my spouse said that while we're at a date, I just didn't show. I ghosted you so you would believe that I'm still your wife. That's an issue. Right? If, I, if, I, if she sends me a text and I ghost her on the text, I leave it on red. And it's just dot, dot, dot in the little bubble. And then no response. It goes away. Have you ever been in that conversation? And, 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 and if she texts me and I just do that to her, that's not funny. She's going to be mad at me. And this is what Jesus does. He just leaves it on red. He just leaves it ghosted. He, he, and then finally he shows up like, if you had been here... He said, I want to teach you a lesson about what resurrection and what life is. Because in order for you to have a resurrection, you have to have a death. In order for you to have life, you need to know what the other side of life is. And he miraculously raises Lazarus from the dead. And crowds are following Jesus because of this miracle and this sign. And this is where we come to in our story today in John 12 and 12. After all of these things happen, Jesus now is ready to go into Jerusalem. And the Bible says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way. Somebody say, Jesus is on the way. To Jerusalem swept through the crowd. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches, went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid. People of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at that time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. In 2023, we'd say, he's unstoppable. There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. I just want to talk for a few moments this morning. Unstoppable pursuit. Father, we thank you for the moments we've shared, the glory of your presence that's here. God, change us, challenge us, equip us, empower us in Jesus' name. Someone said amen. Amen. Someone said my mind is open. My heart is ready. I receive it. I believe it. Do it, Jesus. Have you ever waited for something and it it just seemed to take forever to show up? Whether it was a a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it was a, uh, a report from, from that scary doctor's visit that you had. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the good things. Maybe it's the vacation that never seems to actually get here. 
it's a lot of money into it, but it just never seems to come, right? It's, it's Christmas morning as a kid. It just seems like it's not going to happen. Or as a Christian young man, your wedding day just never seems to get there. Some of you haven't been in church long. <laughs> and you think that something's going to, the rapture's going to happen, or Jesus is going to come back, or a car accident, and you get all psyched out, and it just takes forever. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's all right. We can Netflix and chill later. All right, so the <laughs> we married. <laughs> we wait for something to show up, something to happen. And it just seems like it takes forever, especially when we're dealing with a crisis. We're dealing with a circumstance. We're dealing with a, a traumatic moment. We, we seem like everything inside of us is, is going chaotic and crazy and, and off the hinges and it's just going out of control. And we're waiting on something to happen, to show up, to get some relief. And this is where Mary and Martha are with Lazarus. Lazarus is sick to death and they are waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And Jesus never shows up. He never comes. The, 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 the coroner comes in. The funeral happens. They wrap Lazarus up, put him in a tomb. To the point, the Bible says, that Lazarus began to stink. Days have gone by. The body is already decaying. It's already been buried. It's over. They've said their final farewells. And now they are grieving. And in that moment, Jesus finally shows up. And when he does, he doesn't instantly go to the tomb and say, I'm so sorry I was late. I'm so sorry I missed this. I, I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't, I wasn't here. No, what he tells them in John 11 is he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad. I'm just talking about Jesus this morning. This is a Jesus we don't talk about. It's like, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Wait, Jesus, he stinks. He's been buried. We've already gone through the process of burying him. It's done. It's over. And Jesus is like, I'm glad I wasn't here. I'm glad I was not in that moment, because now you're going to see a different side. Now you're going to see something for your own eyes because in just a few days, I'm going to have the same experience. I want to show you what resurrection and life is for your sakes so that when I'm resurrected from the dead in a few days, you're also going to know that I am not just another individual walking this earth. I am the resurrection and the life. And what I've learned is this, is that God's delay is not his denial. It is simply the access point to increase your faith. When God delays the thing we're asking for, it's not that he has closed the door or said no. It's simply allowing your faith to be built in his power. In his supremacy. It, it, it increases our faith. He's like, I'm glad you weren't here for your sakes. For your sakes. Because now you're going to go see him. Mary and Martha and the people, they're dealing with something called discouragement. Anybody ever been in a season of discouragement? I'm not talking about disappointment. I'm talking about discouragement. Discouragement is actually anti-kingdom. 
I'm gonna, I want to show you something. Because discouragement actually is what takes the wind out of our sails. It's interesting to me that from Old Testament to New Testament, God repeatedly says things like, be strong and very courageous. When the disciples, the disciples are in the storm, what does Jesus say? Tharseo, take heart, be of good courage, cheer, hope, get the confidence back. See, discouragement is actually anti-kingdom, not disappointment. We're going to have disappointments. It's impossible to live and not be offended. But you can live for God and not get discouraged. Because courage and discouragement is a choice. It is an option. Disappointment may not be an option. It may just happen. But discouragement, living in the place where I lose the wind of sails in my life, where I intentionally mope and pout and whine and cry and complain and pout over the things that are going wrong in my life, that is discouragement. And repeatedly from Old Testament to New Testament, God's command to his people was be strong and very courageous. Don't let discouragement seep in. Because discouragement is just a distraction to keep you from your destiny. Discouragement is a distraction to keep you from where you're going. From what God wants for you. For where you should be. And discouragement is what gets on the inside of Mary and Martha. If you had been here. Because that's what discouragement will do. It will start blaming God for the present problem you're in. If you had just answered this prayer, I wouldn't have this bill. If you had just answered this prayer, I wouldn't be in this medical condition. If you had just answered this prayer, I wouldn't be stuck with this person. If you had just answered this prayer, I wouldn't be in this fight. If you had just answered this prayer, I wouldn't have had this issue. And many of us are blaming God for what hasn't happened. And God's like, I'm letting you know that my delay is not my denial. It's just simply the access point for an increase of your faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So he will do things. He will help things. He will delay things in order to increase your faith. Not to actually keep you down or discouraged because he's rep repeatedly reminding us, be strong, be courageous, take heart, be of good cheer. And what does he say every time? For I am with you. Every time, Joshua in the Old Testament, be strong and courageous for God will go for you. To the disciples in the boat, be strong and courageous, be of good cheer. I am here. So my first point is this today. Number one is don't be afraid. The king is on his way. The king is on his way. Lazarus and the timing of all this seemed delayed, but Jesus was on his way. See, in order to have the miracle you're praying for, sometimes we have to go through the trouble. In order to have a mountain, you have to have a valley. In order to have an answer, you have to have a question. In order to have a healing, you have to have a sickness. Anybody in the house today? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching this, this beautifully flowery prosperity thing. What I'm telling you is that real life happens to real people. Spit happens. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
you remember the story where Jesus spit in a guy's eyes? It happens. Some of you need to get saved. I mean, I could say it the other way too. It happens. Life happens. Problems happen. Circumstances happen. Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and things happen to people and it just happens. Life happens and storms happen and troubles happen and problems happen. But don't get discouraged. Don't get out of the game. In fact, plant your feet and say, this I know is not God's denial. It's simply His delay. Because great faith has less to do with you striving as more, more to do with you surrendering. Great faith has less of me trying to make it work as it does with me saying, God, take the wheel. Have your way. It's, it's, great faith begins with my surrender, not in my striving. And the disciples, the Bible says, didn't understand at the time. That's what we read in our passage. That the disciples did not understand at the time. And what are you right now not understanding? What is it right now that you are dealing with that just does not make sense? You can't put two and two together. You're struggling with it. You're confused by it. You're you're, you're allowing the internal turmoil, the questions to constantly beat you up over and over and over. What are you right now struggling with that it does not make sense? See, our mouths may tell others what we believe, but our lives are actually what shows them what we believe. Our mouth will betray us. They'll say things. They'll do things. In fact, a lot of times we will insert the I am statements into our own life of I am weak. I don't know who I'm talking to, but said this last week, I am so sick and tired of being sick and tired. You've used that cliche. In fact, some of you have said, I am just so tired of this. And I came with a word for you today. Stop inserting I am statements into your life, defining who you are based on your problem and not based on the great I am who did not have anything else to follow it. Jesus repeatedly in the book of John, you look at John, John records the I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the fountain. I am the water. I am the well. Jesus records repeatedly saying things like, I am the resurrection and I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am, I am, and I am. And the, the reason why we are so discouraged is because we are declaring over our life, saying things over our life that actually aren't in his identity or in his purpose. If God created you in his image, then the things that you're saying, I am tired, is not in his vocabulary because the Bible says he neither rested or he slumbered. It's not part of who he is. I'm so, I'm so hungry. I'm so famished. I'm so weak. He said, I'm the, I am the bread. I am the water. And any man who comes after me will never hunger or thirst again. We're declaring things over us that are actually anti-kingdom. And we're speaking a language of discouragement when the kingdom language is of courage and strength and power. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean God isn't working. Your king is coming. That's what they sang as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. That's what they sang. Look, don't be afraid. Oh, Jerusalem, your king is coming. Don't allow your inabilities to silence your praise. See, pursuit is what the king does. 
The king will always pursue his people. Jesus is on pursuit to save people. That's the pursuit in the story we're talking about. Jesus fulfills prophecy, finds a donkey, a, a baby donkey, like a little hee-haw. <laughs> he, he finds one of those things. And he's like, that's what I want. The disciples are like, where's the white horse? Like, let's go. Let's fight. Let's, let's take over. But their inability to process what they did not understand did not prevent them from offering their praise to the king that was on pursuit for their life. And oftentimes we will allow the circumstance to shut our mouth. The thing that's going to make you unstoppable is declaring, Today I'm not afraid and I praise the king because he is on the way. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, If God has not cut, off, cut you off from mercy, then there is no reason for despair. Don't be afraid. Your king is coming. But my question then, is how available are you? How available are you to allow the thing that you have treasured to die so that he can resurrect it? How available are you to allow the dream to wither? The relationship to simmer. How available are you to allow Lazarus to go ahead and be buried? God, I want you to get me out of this. And sometimes that's the wrong prayer. Maybe the prayer should be, God, help me get through this. Because in order for there to be a resurrection, there needs to be an availability to allow Lazarus to die. Don't be afraid. Your king is coming. I know the funeral's already taken place. I, I know you've already put it in the ground. I know you've already given up on that business idea. I know you've already given up on that relationship. I know you've already uh, closed the door on that job opportunity. I know that you've already said no to that ministry thing. I know you've already said no to that serve team. I know you've already put the stop on those things. Mentally, you have already said no. But I'm telling you today, don't allow the burial and the funeral and the thing you have said no to to prevent you from having an, a God encounter that can resurrect things that you thought were dead. I... I don't know who I'm talking to here this morning, but there's something that you have allowed to be, be buried for so long. You have just shut it down. It's been hurtful to you because you have kept it there and you have taught that you have moved on. But deep down inside, God's like, I planted that seed in you so that it would grow because you have yet to become what I've called you to become. And we have declared that it was God's denial. And God's like, it's just a delay. I'm on the way. Don't fear it. Don't be afraid of it. I'm going to resurrect it in its time. I'm on the way. Jesus told Mary and Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life in John eleven twenty five. 25. And then he says this, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Even after that dream is dead. 
Even after that relationship is final. Even after that problem seems immovable. Even after the pain seems impossible. Even after the mountain seems impassable. Even after it seems like you'll never get ahead. You'll never make it. You'll never see the light of day. Even in that, even after it's dead, He is still the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in Him, you'll live even after it's dead. Why? Because the king is on his way. He's on his way. He's pursuing you. He wants to see your life be changed. He wants to see the best in you. The king is on his way. And number two, in this pursuit thing, see, it's not just all about Jesus pursuing us. Jesus is not a desperate boyfriend. Can I get an amen in 2023? Jesus doesn't stalk your Facebook account, although some things need to get off of that account. I don't have time to preach that. <laughs> Jesus isn't following you. He, he's not liking your photos. He doesn't care how many beach trips you took last year. He doesn't care how Instagram perfect your marriage looks. He's not a desperate boyfriend who's constantly in your DMs, constantly hitting you up. Constantly trying to, Jesus isn't a desperate boyfriend. The second part of this is not only do we not need to be afraid because our king is coming, but the other part is that we need to chase after him. Nothing will stop the king from coming. That is a fact. But why have we allowed things to stop us from getting to the king? Our chase, our pursuit. See, Jesus' ministry is our proof that when resistance rises, so should our confidence that we're doing something right. And what I notice about this, this passage is that it was the Pharisees, the religious rulers. They said something so powerful. They said, they said there's nothing we can do. See, religion, religion will often try to keep you from getting to Jesus. Now, I can get up here and talk about religion. However, the Bible does say that there is a pure religion, undefiled. And that's when we feed the, the widow and take care of the orphan. And, and James said it like that. So religion is not bad. It is when we allow religion to try to be our source of salvation. And many of us who say religion is bad and relationship is perfect have missed it because we are still living under religious law and not in relationship. And the reason why we're living in religion is because we're just simply checking boxes to make ourselves feel good. We're praying just to say we did. We're reading our Bible to say we did. We're being in an e-group to say we did. We're, we're doing something to say we did. We go to church to say we did. But religion, religion will constantly try to keep you stuck in the doing so that you miss out on the pursuing. Religion will constantly keep you in the box of what I'm doing and, and never free you from what you're pursuing. See, relationship is different than religion because relationship is less about the doing and more about the pursuing, where religion is more about the doing and less about the pursuing. And if we're going to get this correct today, we can't allow anything to stop our pursuit of getting to the king that is on his way. Maybe... 
Maybe the delay is not on Jesus' time. Maybe it's on our time. Maybe the reason why is because we have some immovable, impassable things in front of us that we're unwilling to get through in order to get to the king. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything to stop my pursuit of knowing Jesus a little better today than I did yesterday. There's two looks in the passage. One was in the beginning where their song was, look, don't be afraid your king is coming. The second look was from the Pharisees, look, all of them have gone after him, there's nothing we can do. There is a constant pull on your eyes, your perspective, your concepts. What are you looking for? Are you looking for your king coming or are you looking about all the things that are leaving you? Are you looking for what God is going to do? Or are you looking about all the things that have not yet happened? Two different perspectives, two different looks. And one is pursuit of relationship, while one is checking boxes of religion. One is these things haven't been done. Look, they've, they're all leaving. They're all gone. I, I, don't, I, can't, get this, I can't get through this. I, I, I've tried this. I've done that. But when's the last time you actually just pursued the Lord? You just prayed. You just worshiped. You weren't striving. You were surrendering. You weren't begging. You were just asking. You weren't discouraged. You were encouraged. I want to pursue Jesus so closely that the enemy can't do anything to keep me from him. Isn't that what they said? Band, come. Isn't that what they said? There's nothing we can do. They've gone after him. The fight you're in is powerless to your pursuit. The pressure you're under is powerless in your pursuit. I'm freeing somebody here this morning that has been so bound by the immovable, impassable, unchangeable thing within you. And the king is on his way. But the king is asking, will you pursue me the way I have pursued you? Will you not allow the words of others to deter you from getting close to Jesus? See, some of you haven't come to church in a while because of a family member that made fun of it. And you're afraid that they're going to make fun of you because you showed up. Some of you haven't, haven't given because you're afraid of what the news has said about the economy. Some of us haven't joined or been a part or really committed because it may take too much time out of my schedule. You see, it's not just all about a desperate boyfriend. It's about our desperation for the King. Our pursuit of Jesus. Because I have realized that I can do nothing apart from Him. I can't do anything apart from Him. Without Him, I'm nothing. And what I've realized is that Jesus will always meet us. The King will always meet us in the middle. We just have to start where we are. You don't have to have your life together to worship Jesus. 
you don't have to have everything in order to give him a little more praise. Your pursuit of Jesus has nothing to do with your picture-perfect life. In fact, Jesus specializes in the imperfect, the impossible, and the impassable. That's his specialty. And he loves it when broken people pursue him with everything that they have. Our story picked up today and it said the next day. The next day. So what happened the day before? Well, let me read you what happened the day before. The day before Jesus' triumphal entry. The day before people took palm branches and laid it down and worshipped and sang, Hosanna, the King is coming. Before the Pharisees got all up in arms over people pursuing. The day before... Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. And then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. I'm going to stop right there. I don't know what that is. But sometimes the things that we don't understand is the very essence that he wants us to surrender. Some of us, all we have is just a little essence of nard. That's all I have. And the Bible said she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance you see the fragrance that you give off is indicative of what is being poured on you some of us are giving off a fragrance of discouragement and negativity because we're allowing it to be poured onto us but I want to flip it today I want to say that the fragrance of Jesus needs to be so permeating on our life that the room will be filled with his fragrance I don't want my room filled with my fragrance because all I have is just a little essence of nard I want my I want the room filled with his fragrance his beauty his glory my pursuit with the king what am I pouring out because the Bible says that if we will pour it out he will take your your ashes and turn it into beauty. He'll take the very oil of of mourning and turn it into joy. He'll take your garment of heaviness and exchange it for a garment of praise. What's Jesus doing? If you'll just give it to him, he'll make a fragrance out of any ingredient that you hand him. Pastor, I don't have anything but my brokenness. Give it to Jesus and he'll make you whole. Pastor, I don't have anything but my weariness. Give it to him and he'll take care of it. I don't have anything but my divorce and my frustration and my anger and my pain and my broken I don't have anything I am the least and Jesus is like that's who I want that's exactly what I want and I will transform it you just have to pursue and pour out that's why the song of Solomon says it like this the king is lying on his couch 
enchanted by the fragrance of my perfume. The king is just waiting on your pursuit and he is enchanted, enchanted by your worship, by your ability to say, even in the bad, you're good. He's enchanted by your ability to say, even when I'm broken, you're still good. Even when I'm waiting, I'll still wait on you. Even when I'm hurt, I know you're my healer. Even though I'm dealing with pain, I know you're my provider. Even though I'm dealing with suffering, I know you'll set it straight. Is there anybody in the house today that says, I want to make sure the king is enchanted by my perfume? All over the house today, will you stand? is synonymous with my pursuit of fragrance. Synonymous with my praise. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything to stop me from getting to Jesus. And I don't know who in this house needs to hear that this morning but you've allowed too much time to stop you from getting to Jesus you've allowed too much problems, too many pains too much of the past to prevent you from getting to Jesus and I want to pray over you this morning because I know that if you will realize that once you start your pursuit there is nothing stop you from getting to Jesus. To the person today who is in the delay, be of good courage. The King is on His way. To the person that sees the immovable in front of you, if you'll pursue Him, the immovable actually is just an figment of our own imagination. Nothing can stop you from getting to Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed, Father, today in this house, you see those that are ready, ready to take that step of faith to know that you are on the way. We pray that their fear would be silenced and comforted. The apprehension that they may feel. God, would you just assure them you're on your way? You're coming. Nothing's going to stop you. To the person today that has been stopped by their own internal limitations, seeing the sickness as an impossibility, seeing the marriage as an impossibility, seeing the financial strain as an impossibility, seeing life as the impossibility. I pray this morning that there would be a hunger and a pursuit. Be enchanted by the perfume and the fragrance of our praise today. We may just have a little essence stank like Lazarus, a little brokenness like Mary, 
a little doubt like Martha. Maybe a little hostility like the Pharisees. Father, would you take the very thing we are releasing and throwing at your feet and make it beautiful. God, I give you my marriage today. Make it beautiful. God, I give you my trouble. Turn it around. God, I give you my past. Create a better future. God, I surrender the very thing that seems so impossible today. And I am joining the side of the unstoppable. As your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, this is a moment today where God is calling some of you to take a fresh start, a first step. And this is abandoning the old and starting a new way of following this Jesus that loves you so much that he will not allow anything to stop him in his pursuit of you. So today you're making a decision to pursue him. And maybe you've been away from the Lord for a while. I want to just say shame off of you today. You've been putting shame and condemnation on yourself for not living right, doing things right. Shame off of you this morning. This is a new beginning. And if you're in this house and you want to make a fresh start, a new beginning of saying yes to following Jesus, this right here is your moment. And it begins like this. Jesus, I give you my life. Take the old and make it new. Forgive me, clean me. All I have is a little essence of nard and I lay that at your feet. Will you do something with it? I give you my life. That is, that's the very essence of who I am and what I, what I am. I give it to you today. Not in striving, but in surrender. It's yours. I lay it at your feet. Today, I'm determined and encouraged to do something new for you. And that begins with my yes. And if that's you in the house this morning, I'm going to count to three. And on three, if you're making a fresh start, first time or all over again, courageously would you shoot your hand up in this house this morning. One, you've never been more loved than you are right now. You're so loved. Two, there's a fresh boldness and courage that's coming on you and nothing will stop you in your pursuit of knowing Jesus. And three, if that's you, I want to make a fresh start. I want to say yes to Jesus for the first time. We're all over again. Would you boldly shoot your hand up this Father, we celebrate, we rejoice, we are so thankful for the pursuit of knowing you today. May we, may we determine in our self today that there is no internal limitation that's going to keep me from getting to you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard 
and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.